Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Brubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries, for a limited time. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison to prior classic burgers. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Memento Mori, baby! It's time to remember that you are gonna die! Jeez, that's pretty intense, dude. This is the most metal fucking ending of a series, dude. <laughs> fucking get into it, man. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast. Dance Have a bit of a trot-a-trot with the skeleton baby. You'll be one of them soon, my friend. I love Chunky Ozzy on the Oz Boys. Welcome to the last podcast. On the left, everyone, I am Ben, hanging out with Henry and, of course, Marcus Parks. Today's Hello. episode, this is the climax of a <laughs> long disgusting road of blood, guts, and pus. Yeah. We are on to part five of the Black Death. Yes, yes, and yes. And please, Ben, do not forget the blood mixed with the vomit. Uh, you know, man, I am. I actually want to publicly apologize for forgetting that. <laughs> Thank you. I am sorry, Marcus, and I am sorry, Henry. The blood God. and the vomit uh, mixed. But I tell you what, man, this, tri- this whole saga has taken me from Lutz to flutes. Now I'm listening to I listened to some bardcore. But last night I got deep into folk metal. Oh my I got it yeah. Skyclad. Have you ever listened to Skyclad? I never have. Fucking but I, dude. I did see some great folk metal. I saw a great folk metal concert at BB Kings a few years ago. Can't remember a single fucking band that I saw, but they were amazing. The right. Widdershins Jig. <laughs> the Witherson the, the Withershins Jig. Withershins Jig. If you want to go out there like can't imagine better music to watch an entire village die to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw some folk metal band open for Tear like many years ago, and it was fucking insanely fantastic. It was like six, it was a medieval like quartet standing next to like like two Scandinavian metal guys that are just fucking shredding the whole time. Some girl that's singing in like the highest reg- register yes. possible. Yes, it was wow. great. I do, I do love it. Um, I will say I ordered several tunics. Because I wanted to do a bit of a medieval photo shoot sure. to promote. Because, you know, people love my body. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're delayed. What the fuck is going on here? Wow. Another result of the current epidemic. Wow. You are a victim. You're a victim I'm in a victim. every way. Yeah. Every one, way. Of, one of these days, the jerkin industry will recover, Henry, and you'll be there right at the beginning. It's been 800 years. Okay. Can we get to the Black Death Part 5, please? So when we last left the Black Death, Yersinia Pestis had entered England through port cities in the west, like Bristol and Weymouth, which was actually called Malcolm Regis in 1348. 
Oh, I was okay. partly correct. I mean, you know, we just don't. I don't want to take anything from Weymouth. Of I don't I, anything because you know, apparently they have a very nice amusement park. Oh, nice. and it's mm-hmm. one of what I uh, one emailer said it was the nicer beaches in England if you could call what we call beaches nice. Well, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> and it's one of the nicer ones. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And the plague had been carried to the island on ships that had been fighting the Hundred Years' War with France. Now, the plague certainly killed quite a few people in those cities and in various towns as it made its way east. But the English city that would bear the brunt of the plague, both in 1348 and in the last big outbreak of the second plague pandemic, was London. Can we get a big bell sound here? Can we get a... (laughs) I think you just did it. (laughs) The bell metal, dude. I also, one tidbit that I thought was interesting about the, uh, the shit, all the booty coming back from the Hundred Years' War and how that also helped spread the plague. So and what how- are we talking You said shit and booty. Shit and booty. <laughs> okay. Wait, they, uh, people going and getting uh, like the uh, the prizes from war. Like people yeah. brought back all the, the spoils, spoils of, war. of war. People brought all back the, the people brought back the fashions of France because that mm-hmm. was the height uh, of a medieval garb was in France at the time. And so people would go around in these unwashed Parisian dresses fresh from dead raped women. Oh, they just they went all the way through France and stole all of this shit and they're wearing it and they they are very proud to show off all of their new fashions. But but they're covered in fleece. So they because that's what happens when oh I guess fashion is pain. Be careful when you shop at your Goodwill. Make sure you you got to kind of spray some stuff off. Perhaps there's some bugs in there and whatnot. But why do they call it the spoils of war? Because it seems so fun and fresh, doesn't it? <laughs> you would think when you hear spoils, you're like they just brought home a bunch of rotten tomatoes or yes. someone's grandmother. Why is it called spoils? <laughs> I don't know. That's, That's I'm actually a really good question. Asking. Also sort of uh, making a joke. Also kind of just talking. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't fucking know. There might not be an answer. Uh, I'm yeah. sure it's some sort of arcane use of the word uh, spoils and probably our modern term spoiled, uh, spoiled spoils probably comes from that spoils of war. I have no fucking clue. Now no, that's I'm good, just talking. Now yeah, it's yep. a good point because if you're spoiled, maybe you had too much and then you're spoiled and you're spoiled rotten. I'm going to start mm-hmm. right now by saying, first of all, all dictionaries are made up. Words are made up. Yeah, they Letters are, aren't we, real. But they, we still we have, have to, find to follow. A way. That's the only way we can communicate. Nothing's real. There's no objective truth. There is some. There is some. <laughs> now, while we've gotten a bit of guff for really hammering home the squalor angle of 14th century Europe, there can be absolutely no arguments surrounding the amount of filth and feces that covered London for centuries. And still. <laughs> yeah. The principal sewage dumping ground in London was the Fleet River, where all the private outhouses emptied out. And it was sometimes filled with so many turds that <laughs> ships couldn't pass through its waters. Oh my, I've seen a lot of turds in my day. I've never seen so many goddamn brown logs in my life. Can you imagine the turd that sank the shitanic? Oh, man. <laughs> Shitberg ahead! <laughs> But those are just the outhouses near the river. Oh. Other privies emptied their toilets into cesspools, and those became so full that one turd wrangler named Richard the Raker actually drowned in one after he accidentally <gasps> fell in. Oh, oh no! 
I dropped my night guard in there. Oh, no. I better get down there. Oh, man. Oh, there's all these other night guards in here. Yeah. Oh, God. You're going to want that night guard for later. Do you remember when you dropped your, when, when we were on the road, Marcus, and we stopped at that Burger King and you had your Invisalign braces and oh, you yes. accidentally yeah. left it at the Burger King bag and then you had to go through the trash dump yes. to look for the... But they the, were in the yeah. bag. Yeah, they, they were, were in the bag. bag. And yeah. it was and a fresh, was, it was right on was, top there. Yeah, I was not in any way grossed out. It was you that I had to calm down. I you was were very upset out. about it. I was well, it was weird seeing when your best friends, you know, kind of just shuffling through the trash at a burger. <laughs> and then he pulls out the thing that's so intimately yeah. next to his gums. And right. then he just kind of patted it on his leg. And he's like, oh, it's fine. And, yeah. like, and you know what, Henry? It, it was fine. It was fun. Nothing happened. He, he's got right. an old West. He's got a whole, he's got a whole Western bloodline in him. Hindsight's 2021. <laughs> yeah. Now, London in 1348 was relatively small. When the streets were empty, it took only 20 minutes to walk the city from end to end. Mm. But during the daylight hours, that same small space was crammed with 60,000 people, along with an equal number of chickens, cows, dogs, cats, oxen, geese, and horses. And as John Kelly put it, all of this mayhem was all compressed into lanes Barely wide enough for a fat man to turn around in. <laughs> and you know, fat men love to spin. Well, they have to. <laughs> as far as where the action was, and therefore where the plague spread, you had places like the Shambles and Butcher's Row. And these two places together were essentially a shopping mall and a slaughterhouse right oh, next to each other. That's and cool. both And both were filled with toothless, stinking, screaming Londoners. This is back when people were really people. That's right. They yeah. were tough. I remember that. I like that. It sounds like a dangerous place to be a chicken, though, because they'll just grab you right off the street and cut your head off, and next thing you know, you're being fed to the masses. Mm -hmm. Any chicken within 15 feet of me is in a dangerous place. I agree with <laughs> I that. some fucking chicken. I actually did, they recently unearthed a plague sanitation station. I don't know wow. if you saw that. They saw it is this stone. It's this little obelisk. And I guess it's, it was sort of being uh, proliferated throughout Europe where it would have vinegar in it, like a mm. pile of vinegar in it to encourage people to sanitize their hands as they walked throughout their day, much huh. like we got going on right now. So everyone smelled like vinegar as well. I mean, vinegar is better than liquid shit, is it? <laughs> yeah, I love vinegar. If everyone yeah, smelled like vinegar, I'd be fine with it. He I think they also smell like liquid shit, though. <laughs> yeah, vinegar mixed with liquid shit. Yeah, it's that thing of like if you mix five pounds of shit and five pounds of ice cream, you just get 10 pounds of shit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that every day and they never make my order at Cold Stone. And I've said shit on that ice table, shit on the ice table. And they just refuse to do it. You gotta go to France. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of toothless Londoners, back in the Middle Ages, people believed that toothaches, this is just a little aside, people oh. believed that toothaches were the result of tiny worms eating into your teeth, and the only <laughs> fix was to burn a sweet-smelling candle in the person's mouth to draw the hungry worms out. Hear me out, hear me out, everyone. Toothbrush, hear me out? <laughs> you guys think a toothbrush <laughs> might work? I, what? No, I, 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 I have a product here, it's worked on mine! Toothbrushes are gay. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, but also, because they thought that human, they thought worms resided in the body at all times, and that when mm -hmm. we died, that the worms were then just released. Oh, like the old <laughs> man from Nightmare Before Christmas. Man, we were really almost there. Like the 14th century is when humanity was just almost there on everything. Yeah. 
Now, apart from the shambles, you also had Cheapside, which is home to 4,000 individual market stalls, hundreds of musicians and beggars, countless rogues and scalawags, and 14th century celebrities like the great sea captain Sir Walter Manny and Canterbury Tales author Geoffrey Chaucer. Oh, very nice. You mentioned how it was full of musicians and beggars as if they weren't the same. Uh, <laughs> I think it was beggars who were singing desperate, yeah, desperate if, for attention. But if you got a song, you don't need money because you got <laughs> rhythm in your pockets and you got drums in your pants. <laughs> and you're really figuring out how to be a producer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the busiest place in London behind Cheapside was the Thames Riverfront, where ships from every nation came every day to trade from the dock. But at night, that harbor became, in John Kelly's words... The Kingdom of the Rats. The Kingdom of the Rats. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> That's fun. What a fun time to be a rat. It's not a fun time to be a rat. I guess they are what on are charge. Ta- the rats are yeah. totally dominating. Oh, also mm-hmm. a bit of an update. And this is why we did a fifth episode. It was because <laughs> there's another person to implicate here. What? Apparently. Ooh, and honestly, this is kind of a shock to me because I don't like fucking with a hustler. I don't like fucking with a hustler's game. I don't want to fuck with somebody who's super, super busy. Um, But (laughs) apparently, it seems to be new evidence has come to light that 5,000 years ago, the first evidence of why pestis came from, yes, a beaver. A beaver? A beaver. Scientists have found the earliest known strain of plague in the remains of a 5,000-year-old hunter-gatherer. Hmm, they think that he was bitten by a beaver. By a beaver? Because he's got the beaver mark. He's the mark of the beaver. (laughs) Be very careful, that body has the mark of a beaver. Mark of the beaver. (laughs) Is there any evidence that it came? Do they know that why pistis is an any sort of beaver? Do they just say a guy got bit by a beaver and they think that just because he got bit by a beaver, that's what gave him why pestis? Let me throw science words at you. Please. An analysis of samples from the man's teeth and bones revealed that he was likely the only one among those buried with the disease. Researchers reconstructed the bacteria's genome using genome sequencing and believe the bacteria was likely part of a lineage that emerged roughly 7,000 years ago, which is... Oh, wait. I'm looking at this article and I don't know how they know it was beaver fleas. <laughs> All right, very good answer by Henry. But they're saying it's but a beaver. They're calling it, it the beaver and it, I don't know why they're doing it, but honestly, now we have to too. Well, he had the mark of the beaver. <laughs> so as London slept each night... Thousands of rats descended on the city from ships that came from all over Europe, bringing plague from the water as the Black Death marched from the west to bring Yersinia pestis by land. This plague in the water, this plague in the water. That's a great song. DMB. Now, when the plague first hit London in September of 1348, the country attempted to keep some semblance of normality. The royal courts didn't stop, and tax collectors kept collecting taxes. Oh my God, that's so sweet how they kept the normality. (laughs) How they just were like, yes, everyone's (laughs) devastated, no one has any money, but we don't want to like mess up their curfew. We don't want to curfluffle the flow (laughs) of the tax man. They actually had a stock market there where they stole, they sold stocks to put people in and you don't want to affect that. You don't want (laughs) to affect that. Well, at this point in time, remember that England is engaged in the Hundred Years' War with France. So there is a lot of money that has to go into whipping France's ass. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, and remember, this is a hundred is a hundred and sixteen year 
war. So that's where the taxes are going, and that's why they have to keep fucking collecting money. Not have to, but that's why they are collecting money. Yeah, that's and, and back then, they had a lot of money invested in drone warfare. It was just a man <laughs> with a blindfold on being let in with, I guess, a bunch of plague rats. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could have distracted a whole French military wing with just a couple of ducks and hats. They love such fun stuff. They used to be very, uh, a very willing and intense adversary, the French. Oh. Yeah, the French used to be the most feared adversary in uh, all of Europe. They were number one for hundreds of years. Hmm? Okay. Yeah. Tell, but uh, that's tell a different group of people came around. <laughs> but that's oh, a... you're talking about your people. You're talking about the fucking Germans. <laughs> you're talking about what happened, what, what your lineage is all stamped with. <laughs> but that's the thing, is that King Edward, he was paying a lot more attention to his war with France than he was the plague. Because remember, like King Edward had already lost his daughter, Princess Joan, uh, to the plague in France before it had even reached England. So his reaction upon the plague's arrival in London was more apathetic than anything else he just didn't mm. fucking care but as more and more people died apathy turned to fear and the beloved king fled to his palace in the countryside several kings did live but one thing i found interesting going through the great courses was how many ruling bodies died almost entirely from mm -hmm. the plague. Every yeah. single one of these countries, I believe the Council of Twelve was almost completely wiped out in Italy. I think they, what they were, was called the Council of Seven in France. I, I'm, I'm not quite certain if that's the actual term. They're all fucking dead. They killed hmm. everybody on the up top, too, which uh, it almost been nice to see senators that afraid. You know what I mean? Like, watch them all scurry and run. That would be really fun to see. You can huh. watch it. It just happened recently. I know. <laughs> it's the, part. the New York Times did a great expose on the January 6th riot, as a matter of fact. Check that mm -hmm. out if you want to go onto YouTube. But senators scared. It is something that happens. It's nice. Yeah. 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 Now, unfortunately, we don't have as vivid of accounts of the 1348 London plague as we do from, say, the plague in Florence, because London produced no great plague chroniclers. What? Well, we do have. Yeah, they just didn't. They're just nobody. so strange to me. Isn't it, it weird? It ripped through the writing class. It ripped through the clerical mm. uh, class really, really quickly. So and mm. some people had guys that had the forethought, like, I need to write down all of this shit that's happening. But it, and it just ripped through England. Right. Yeah. What we do have, though, is a short, eerie account from a man named Thomas Vincent. He wrote that London was beset by a dismal solitude, with closed stores, empty streets, and a deep silence in almost every corner of the city. Hmm. By his account, the only sounds were the groans of the sick and dying, Damn. punctuated by death knells endlessly emanating from churches. They really did talk. Several people Oof. mentioned that in England that that was the soundtrack. And specifically London. <coughs> London, crying <coughs> in pain. People going, oh, Jeez. all night. Mm -hmm. And then here in L.A., the streets were deserted, and the moans were people starting their OnlyFans accounts. Isn't that <laughs> nice? Very, very exciting. <laughs> Having fun. Very nice. Very good. Very good. Now, as we said last episode, London did make some attempt at treating their plague dead with as much respect as they could muster, even on days when carts, usually reserved for manure, showed up full to the burial pits. That's all they had. That was the only thing big <gasps> enough to carry all these bodies. Well, I mean, I guess we are literally bags of shit so it's just <laughs> shit kind of carrying human ba human bags of shit so yeah. it's still full of manure I guess. we're just yeah. piles of shit that can get diplomas yeah, yeah. <laughs> now in those days if the line was too long and the body had to be held above ground for a day or two the bodies would be stuffed with charcoal and ash to slow the putrefaction process because remember a lot of people believed the plague was spread by smell 
Mm. And once the body was ready to take its place in the earth, it would be laid in a trench in a casket or a shroud, side by side with thousands of other bodies, all laid with their head to the west and their feet to the east, sorted by gender and age when possible. Because in England, they did really try, specifically that's what you see in accounts, is that they tried to have respectful burials for the dead and not just dump everybody in giant plague pits. I mean, can't yeah. I lay with a woman even when I'm dead? <laughs> Why are you gonna separate us by gender? They should have gone. They should have gone with one boy, one girl, one boy, one girl. And everyone can have fun, and then they can procreate little skeleton babies. Well, in England, and actually across all of Europe, the one thing that the plague actually did was really create will culture. Almost, you could say, like the idea mm -hmm. of saying. Make people like really understand you need to figure out what's going to happen to your body and all of your shit after you die. So yeah. people did start making more specific requests about how they uh, wanted to bury. So you can you be, by... be you can be buried 69 style with oh. whatever woman that's near you who also dies in your neighborhood if you want to, Kissel. And, <laughs> and if she proper... also requests that. Yes. That's you gotta... great. Well, Puffin has no choice. Jerry has no choice. They're dogs. <laughs> so that's great. When you mentioned will culture. Um, I was that get what you were saying, but then I was also like, I make this look good. <laughs> <laughs> I, good. I make this grave look good. <laughs> That's what they and they try to do that. And they would dress you up in your finest, and they would put a bust oh. of you dressed as your finest in the very top. Did they really dress them in their nicest clothes? They did. I mean, in London, they really did try as hard as they possibly could. I mean, they tried harder than some people did here in fucking New York last year. There was just a, they're, they're passing naked musician beggars. Give them the clothes. Okay, when I'm dead, filled with fleas. my clothes will go to the largest kids around. I don't care. No, you cut them up, you fucking clothe the whole family. Sure. I can't wait yeah. to see all those cute, huge kids riffling through your mansion after you die like your Ebenezer Scrooge. Nice. How did you get a size 14 sock? <laughs> my neighbor died. It's very difficult. <laughs> well, now I put my lunch in it. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Live from your grave. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. 
The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Now, legend had it that certain plague pits like the cemetery in East Smithfield buried 200 corpses per day during the Black Death, which would have put London's mortality rate at a stunning 65 to 80 percent. Dang. Today, however... The estimates at East Smithfield are closer to 18,000 bodies, which puts the estimated mortality rate at London at little less than 50%, putting the post-plague population at 35,000, down from 60. That's just low enough for a politician to deny its existence. I don't (laughs) know! (laughs) Now, as per John Kelly's assessment, the plague in London, both in 1348 and the later outbreak of 1665, these things left imprints on the British DNA. For Mm. example, this is an excerpt from a chilling poem about the discovery of a plague ship written a couple hundred years later called The Black Death of Vergen. Sad the search and fearful finding, on the deck lay parched and dry, men who in some burning, blinding climb had laid them down to die. Hands prayer clenched that would not sever, eyes that stared against the sun, sights that haunt the soul forever, poisoning life till life is done. No, those are fucking slayer awesome. lyrics, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the heartless of forever, putting life to life is done. That's awesome. I mean, really sad and devastating, but that's a really yeah, good poem. That that's a thing. There. It's metal, though, at the same yeah. time. Uh, no, the, the entire also- poem is beautiful. It's it's very long, but it, it is absolutely, it's a gorgeous poem, The Black Death of Bergen, by Lord Dufferin. Oh. There also was sort of a... Sort of at the time, urban legend, it's kind of come out now, and we, there, there's some truth to, it, to the idea that the plague throughout all of the island of the UK, like through England, it destroyed entire villages, and that entire yeah. villages would be gone. They call them ghost villages, essentially, mm. like we call ghost towns, where they said that they would show up and you'd just see animals, like one donkey walking, and that the entire <laughs> village is dead. Uh, yeah. And now they're saying they don't know if that's completely true, but there is some evidence that shows there are these like uninhabited spots where they like oh, yeah. it seemed like five uh, or six houses were built up, maybe a small market, and then it just got got everybody sure. in a hot second. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, well, as I always said last episode, it was the like a lot of those towns. What they think happened now is that those towns were kicked in the stomach real hard by the Great Famine, and then the Black Death and came and just finished them off. And then um, there's also the straight up thing of people running. Because yeah. that was also, we saw it again in 1994, there was a plague outbreak in India. And they talk about one of the big things that happened again, again, fucking 600 years later, people heard the plague was coming and they just went to the big cities. They just heard everybody <laughs> oh, like, that's, that's oh no, my body got go. plague. Oh, it's time to make a trip to Chinatown. Like they literally like went straight <laughs> right. to downtown Delhi and they were very lucky. There was only 5,000 cases of it. Wow. Something like 500 dead. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, the Black Death by no means stopped in London. Rather, it blew right through and carried the plague to East Anglia, which, prior to the plague, was the most populated region in England. East Anglia is one of the places where the plague mortality averages in England were raised, because while the country had an overall mortality rate of 30 to 45 percent, East Anglia's was devastatingly higher. Norwich, for example, lost 70% of its population during the Black Death. And that's confirmed. 14,000 people. And in one manner, 21 families out of 50 were cut down like so much wheat behind a swinging scythe. The Reaper abides! (laughs) Man. It would be nice if the Reaper would help out with some farm work every now and again. No, no, no. This this scythe is for show, bro. You don't even know the farm, dude. (laughs) Yeah, Reaper? It seems like you're kind of a pussy, bro. No. Yeah? I have allergies, dude. (laughs) But in Norwich... People were not as precious with the dead as the gravediggers had been in London, nor were they as cruel as the sinister Bettini in Florence. Instead, the bodies were so numerous in Norwich that they were treated almost like dead livestock. By one account of a doctor, people tripped over the dead in the streets, and an endless stream of manure carts could be seen tilting loads of corpses into huge pits while the stench of putrefaction palpitated through the air. Can I ask true question? Why not just get a bunch of lighter fluid? I know they don't have it, but just why don't they just burn these bodies? Because, because they, they thought that the air cam- coming from it would kill you. But that would be the oh, worst so possible this, thing to do. In real in their, life or in, in, their, their in their ideas? In their, in their mind, that would be the worst. If you wanted to kill the entire city, that's what you would do. But okay, but I think that it, would be wrong, though. Because it right. feels like burning yeah, them. You're, you're correct. Them. Okay. That would have been the best thing to do. Yes. Right. Because <laughs> technically it allowed more rats to come and, and, the, and the fleas and shit. And all of a sudden you got a beaver there jerking off in the corner. <laughs> Him and his buddy and other gerbils there just fucking doing whippets saying like, Aww. tonight's going to be the fucking best night of our lives. <laughs> that is the drug a gerbil would do. <laughs> They're crazy because they also can cook a little bit. Well, that's anyway. ratatouille. I know. And ratatouille's <laughs> fake. I, well, I didn't watch it's it. It's not real. I haven't seen it, but. Well, one story, a familial near extinction in Norfolk. A woman named Emma Gosselin was engaged in a dispute with her husband, Reginald, over her dowry. And she'd taken her husband to court to settle the problem. No idea what the problem was, though. I mean, honey, we're going through a massive global pandemic. Do we have to argue about the shoes right now? (laughs) Seriously. Uh, It was a fucking exclusive drop. I, I had to get these shoes. Yeah, I just don't. I had to get these shoes. Babe. Everyone's dying, babe. I know, I know. And that's why the shipping's slow. But, you know, I got to get these goosebumps. High tops, man. You better. Well, by records, Emma had planned to bring several witnesses to testify on her behalf for whatever her reason for taking her husband to court. But when her court date finally came just a few months later, Emma Legoslin showed up alone because both her husband and all of her witnesses had all died of the plague since. Dude, There's... this chick had this so planned out. Yep. And she fantasized about the judge like crying, looking at her with sympathy. life is gonna uh. be sweet. I can't uh. wait to get out of this. And then everybody dies. She was you going can... to destroy her husband one witness at a time. It is and very she didn't get to do that. It is nope. very difficult to have Stella get her groove back during the bubonic plague. Yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> that sucks. The groove is decidedly gone. It is gone. Time. No more grooves. They're all filled with dead bodies. <laughs> now, as far as how people treated each other in England during the Black Death went, 
They were mostly free of the anti-Semitism that had infected mainland Europe. Instead, England was awash with a rogues gallery of scalawags who took advantage wherever they could. What is the legal definition of scalawag? Uh, A key rubber or a (laughs) pupper donter. Oh, a popper donor. A popper yes. donor is, I thought, is a father who took his liberties with his children. I don't know. <laughs> I think a scalawag is somebody who's a scofflaw. More like a scofflaw, yeah. Scoffing at the law. A scalawag. Oh, here we go. The scalawag definition. A person who behaves badly, but in an amusingly mischievous rather than harmful way. Oh, that's I'm, not true. Scallywags were from Clockwork Orange. Those guys were scallywags, and they killed and did a whole bunch of horrible stuff. Yep. I think that was I think that's the modern term for scallywag. Back in the 14th century, you didn't want to come into contact with a scallywag. Scallywag's going to fuck you up. Steal Absolutely. All your money. They actually called uh, white southerners who collaborated with the northern republicans during Reconstru- during reconstruction scallywags. Well, isn't huh. that nice? Huh. So maybe that's now we can just take that as a term of like, yeah, I'm a scallywag. Fuck yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, cool. Yeah, if fuck you that. want to identify <laughs> as a scallywag, go for it. As far as these scallywags went, there was one day William who was a priest who robbed people six days a week and celebrated mass on the seventh. <laughs> it's a fucking premiere television show. <laughs> uh, six on, one off. Yeah, yeah. You also had Henry Annies, who specialized in scamming people with bogus tax fraud schemes. Specifically, Henry told people that he had a foolproof method for avoiding the death tax on inherited properties, but he would only reveal this method if the customer agreed to a heavy price. It's always <laughs> been here, man. I know. Always. I'm just thinking of the guy who I know is actually a good dude, but the dude question, the dude covered in question marks, the guy in oh, the Matthew suit. Oh, Matthew Lesko. Yeah. He's not, but wow, that is amazing. There's still yeah. entrepreneurship. Yes. Even <laughs> then, isn't that nice? One woman named Alice Bakeman, for example, gave Henry one of her best milking cows in exchange for this hot tip. Now, of course, the tip was always bogus. But by the time the tax authorities saw through the ruse, Henry Annis was always long gone. Now I got this new cow to fuck. Isn't that nice? (laughs) But those were the more clever thieves who operated during the Black Death. Most thieves, like William Siggy, simply operated in a manner that today will be more accurately described as meth head crimes. Oh, very nice. Copper stripping. Well, yeah, um, dude, being late th- to th- doctor's yo, appointments. You, sh- <laughs> you, you mock and you laugh at the copper stripper, but they make a lot of good money and it ain't easy to do. Dude, Siggy stole pots and pans from dead neighbor's cottages, altered the boundary of another dead neighbor's farm to expand his own, and he regularly stripped the lead from other dead neighbor's roofs like so much construction site copper. Wow. This guy had it all worked out. Right now, he would just be on a show called Extreme Moonshiners. (laughs) (laughs) Extreme Black Plaguers. Exactly. I'll make this plague look good. Uh, This next one. This is the Extreme Black Plaguer. Catherine Bugsy. Now, no one knew how Catherine Bugsy survived as long as she did. But her specialty was stripping the clothing from the plague dead and reselling them, spreading even more plague. I'll tell you more secret. I ate fleas. You eat fleas. Okay. Tolerance. Oh, you like cereal. Yeah. And I like it. He bought my tongue. Well, no kisses, eh? That's what I call them. No kisses to back my throat. It seems to work. Were there people who were not susceptible to the plague? 
Catherine Bugsy, apparently. So she yeah, I mean, really, I mean, because we see that, you know, obviously with our, one, with our more recent uh, social experiment of what we've had go on uh, here, some people just straight up don't get uh, the new virus. You want to hear yeah. a quote that comes right out of fucking 2021 from 1300? This is from this is during the this is from the year 600, the plague of Justinian and the same shit that we're dealing with now, whether by chance or providential design, the, pl- the pestilence strictly spared the most wicked. Oh, yeah. so Miss Bugsy, not very good. No. And there was also like we talked about last week that, that, you know, someone had written on the walls, I think, of Bristol. that was like only the dregs remain. That was what that people wrote over and over and over again during the oh, Black right. Death is that only the worst people survived until the end of it. All right. But take a look but- at yourself. You're shitting you're shitting your own freaking <laughs> intestines out of your ass right now and vomiting everywhere. So maybe you're the dregs. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That's victim yeah. blaming. Wow. I'm not wow. victim blaming. I'm just saying just because I'm not sick doesn't mean that I'm lesser than you. Well, I mean, it was mostly they were looking at people like Catherine Bugsy, who was stripping dead people naked and then spreading the plague to other people. They shouldn't have buried them in their nicest clothes. I don't know why I have to <laughs> wow. defend this woman. You, you, like, yeah. you turn into a punk. I mean, other, yeah. than the, other than the resale without the washing. Are you just you saying you wash? Kissel just actually transformed. He's like wearing a suit. He's got a little bow tie. His hair is put <laughs> into a pompadour. What happened? You just turned into Tucker Carlson of the Black Death. $100,000 for 15% of your company, Miss Bugsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the reason why they saw this is because, and, and it, I get it, because the good people tried helping. Like, they tried helping the sick. They didn't want to uh, didn't abandon run. people to the death, and they didn't run. So, of course, all those people died, and, you know, and other people that were just the absolute fucking worst uh, were the ones who survived till the end. And now we know that the Black Death is also one of the main inspirations for Billy Joel's Only the Good Die Young. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, when Catherine Bugsy was finally arrested with a dead woman's leather jerkin she was the picture of health <laughs> the picture like, of health the- for 1300s <laughs> in london yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- yeah. i got two teeth still that's <laughs> amazing if no one Man, else has I wanna any fuck this woman absolutely <laughs> rabbit gal two teeth Woo. now eventually the plague began to make its way north where it ravaged yorkshire amidst a small peasant rebellion that occurred when the labor class refused to pay fines amidst all of the widespread deaths And by what some people say could have happened, the Black Death very well may have stopped in Yorkshire and not crossed over to Scotland, or at least not crossed over in great numbers. But when the Scots heard that a horrific disease was ripping through the hated English, they became convinced that this was specifically an English problem (laughs) that couldn't affect the Scots. Yeah, man. I love the drunk logic of the Scots. I blame beer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is just such Wow. In fact, the Scots were actually laughing at the widespread devastation. (laughs) They thought the plague ripping through England was the funniest fucking thing they ever saw, and they were swearing by the foul death of England. And eventually, this jubilation turned into pig-headed overconfidence. Oh, no and way. In, <laughs> not the Scots. And in 1350, the Scots amassed an army near the forest of Selkirk, fully prepared to invade England and take it as their own. Because We're going to thought- get it, please. We'll get the whole damn thing. And they're wow. all like, it's true. They created a massive war party. They all got yeah. hammered. They're all like, we're going to fucking get No, we're going to get them tonight. Just they're all fueled, slapping each other in the face. Fueled yeah. by iron brew. 
And they all believed that they were immune from the plague, that they wouldn't wow. get it. That because hey, they look were at this cool little fucking, I got so excited, my neck is expanding like I'm one of those dinosaurs. <laughs> yes, it is. You remember that? Look at that, I'm a diplosaurus. Yeah, looks like you're choking <laughs> on a big egg there. <coughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know. <laughs> I must be hungover before I started drinking. Y yeah, I think that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. They thought they were immune just because they were Scottish. And the reason why the Black Plague <laughs> and the reason why the Black Plague hadn't just like ran its way up through Scotland uh, like it did the rest of England, the reason why it was a little slower is because Scotland's fucking cold. Like it doesn't oh. have the weather is horrible for uh, the Black Plague. But the fucking Scots on the border, before they could even wage one attack, the Black Death found its way into the Scottish camp. Oh, 5,000 Scots very quickly died on the border, while the rest, infected and carrying plague rats in their wake, retreated, all while the English followed and killed as many Scots as they could. Because it's definitely like, go, go, we're going, and then 5,000 guys die. Time to go home. Everybody go home. <laughs> Man, I can just see the Black Plague having to go to that store and get a little Black Plague jacket and a little Black Plague hat so they can go into Scotland because it's so cold. <laughs> Those that survived the battles with the English brought the plague to Scotland in large numbers and killed a Ugh. large chunk of their population when there was really no need for them to do so. So Although, they could... <laughs> Although it only it did only kill a third of the Scottish population instead of like, you know, up to 45 percent because it was cold. So the only reason that it even affected Scotland at all is because they went to it to yell yeah, at it. I and mean, then yes. it was just like, I'm, I'm a virus. I don't or a bac it's bacteria. It's bacteria, bacteria, bacteria. So it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't care. Yeah. It probably would have gotten there anyway because it did eventually it did go with trading routes. Right. So it eventually would get there, I imagine, because mm -hmm. it did go all over Europe. You so did. it, it yeah, right. would have gotten there, but they definitely accelerated it. <laughs> so, oh man, I'm gonna start. I, I just, I'm just so happy men are still like in leadership roles. Nothing <laughs> has changed. Nothing has changed. Nope. It's just the this is like the biggest super spreader event of the Black Death, where they're just fucking taking it and going back all over to fucking Scotland and just dropping it every <laughs> so, fucking place that they go to. That's oh, so dumb. Uh, as far as Ireland went, we know that the death rate for Anglo-Irish was about the same as the English, while we have no idea how many of the native Irish died. But from what one 17th century Irishman wrote, the pestilence made great havoc among the English invaders. But for the true Irishman, born and dwelling in the hilly countries, it scarce just saluted them. Oh, isn't that nice? Well, it depends on because it depends on the cycle of where you live. It depends on where you live, right? If you live out in the boonies, right, it's mm. difficult for it to transfer as quickly because if it gets to one village, it kills everybody and then it doesn't spread anywhere. If I was the mm -hmm. Black Death, I would leave Ireland alone. It's nice. Go have a nice se settle there. You know, mm -hmm. and then you go attack elsewhere. Oh, that's where you retire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that, Henry, you mentioned last episode about, you know, if you want to survive the Black Death, you get on a boat in Scotland and take it to Iceland. That would have worked for 50 years because for some reason, Iceland's Black Death, like their Black Plague, happened at the turn of the 15th century. And half of their population died in like 1400. Jeez. And then a hundred years later, it happened again. And people are still kind of baffled as to how it happened. They're really not sure because there's no, because the Black Rat never took hold 
in Iceland, so they're not really just not sure, like, how the fuck did this happen twice? These and it, how did beavers. it happen 50 years after? It's beavers traveling <laughs> on logs. It's very possible. It's another one. one. Yeah, it's possible. Live from your grave. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. But right around the same time that the Black Death was entering the homeland of my ancestors in England, it was also taking a toll on Henry's ancestral land of Poland. Although Poland's death toll was much, much lower. Oh. Yes, it is one of the curious things. It is one of the curious things. Are you things. about to brag about the Polish people? Are the Polish <laughs> immune to disease? Yes. Maybe. Um, you know what does it? Vodka. Oh. It really stills the blood. No, there is a... The survival of the Polish is over-accentuated because it yeah. seems like the rest of Europe... The problem is the rest of Europe, it was 40 to 60%, right, mm -hmm. killed that the mortality rate. In Poland, it was like 20 to 30%, but mostly it had to do with because they were cold. And there was one theory that I saw that it was because Poland had a lot of cats. Oh, <laughs> honestly, that could save the day, although wouldn't the fleas hop on the cats? Hmm. Interesting. Fuck. I mean, they would. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Well, I don't know, because I don't know if the same fleas, the rat fleas are the same as cat fleas. We don't know. We don't yeah. know. Some, they, don't, they don't trade back and forth. And also, there's some, some, there's some talk that the Communist Party that ran Poland for a long period of time, like all the kind of shit that went down, obviously, during World War, like after World War I or World War II, was when everyone was doing their Black Death research. Various countries were going through looking over historical records. The Communists didn't want to do that. Oh, so there is also ah. some things that they say that maybe the numbers were also uh, missed. Maybe the numbers were miscalculated because they weren't researching it. Not, not in Poland. Nah. Nothing would be miscalculated <laughs> in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is most interesting about Poland, though, is that their king, King Kazimir, had a Jewish mistress named Esther. And the king, therefore, offered asylum to Jews fleeing persecution in Central Europe during the Black Death. Those Jewish refugees settled in Poland and established communities that would remain unbroken from the 14th century until the 20th, wow. when the Nazis almost wiped them out for good, partly by using the same basic conspiracy theories that had driven the Jews to Poland in the first place. Come and join and have a ticket to the Kissel party bus. Oh, right. It is a yeah, bit of a party, party on the bus. bus. That would be a true party bus. <laughs> My goodness, if you're Jewish at this time, it's like, we have an answer. You're going to be safe. You guys have a one trip, a one way ticket to Poland. And you're just like, wow, this is great. I'm so happy. Can't wait to go to Poland. It reminds me in Wisconsin, they, uh, the Hmong helped us fight the Viet Cong in the Vietnam yeah. War. And uh, many of them were sent to Wisconsin, which again is a bit of a culture shock. It is. In both, in both uh, mood and temperature. It gets yeah. quite cold. 
But during the Black Death in Europe, it wasn't just the regular folk dying of the plague. We mentioned this a little bit earlier. Spain actually lost its king in March of 1350 when King Alfonso XI contracted the deadly disease during a siege at Gibraltar, making him the only European monarch to die of the plague. Yeah, wow. we got one. Wow. <laughs> that is, that, I mean, that's actually a fairly impressive number well it's because they were far away from all of it they were far away from all of it and a lot of times they went to their vacation palaces right or like the uh clement the sixth he actually was trying to fix it and accidentally stumbled upon shit that worked yeah furthermore there's evidence from several accounts that suggest that spain was actually host to the deadliest scariest and fastest acting form of the plague the septicemic plague Mm. Briefly covered in our first episode, the septicemic plague is 100% fatal and kills in less than 24 hours, guaranteed, and never became widespread only because of how fast it kills the infected. It turns you into (sighs) raspberry jelly. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. One tale told by a French cleric said that the priest was visiting Spain on a pilgrimage during the plague and stopped at an inn. That night, he ate dinner with the family at the inn and sensed that nothing was amiss. The next morning, though, when he called out for assistance, he received no answer. And when he searched the inn, he found that the entire family had caught the plague the night before and it died before the sun rose. Oh, my God. (laughs) Septicemic does it that fast. Yeah. And there are a lot of stories like that. Now, some countries like the Netherlands were somewhat spared the worst of it, losing only 15 to 25 percent of their population. However, the reason why the Netherlands only lost 15 to 25 percent was because the Netherlands had already lost more children than any other country during the Great Famine and therefore had less vulnerable people. Again, worst century to be alive. It doesn't it doesn't ever stop. Never stop it. It really doesn't. (laughs) As far as Scandinavia went, it was sparsely populated and, of course, cold. So the plague had a hard time traveling from town to town. But it was still said that if a Scandinavian did catch the plague, they didn't live for more than a day or two after they started vomiting blood, implying that it was the pneumonic plague that haunted the northern reaches. Can you imagine how much the fucking that stank too with all the weird pickled herring they eat and all the grams, all that all that fish guts coming mm-hmm. up with your vomit plague blood? <laughs> That's a lot. But then Scandinavia yeah. also had pesta. The plague yeah. hag. That yeah. idea of like hag. the plague <laughs> hag. What's that? Because we talked about plague virgins last time. I actually saw, I had someone um, uh, send an email to comparing it to Corona Chan. We talked, remember, at the beginning of the quarantine, we talked about the idea of the physicalization of COVID into yes. sort of yeah. an anime yes, of girl. Course. The plague virgins like that. This is another story of the plague hag, which is this idea that the, you'd see an old woman ringing a bell, and as she passed through town, everyone would die of the plague. But actually, that was the retrofitting of after everybody normally died in a village of the plague, whoever lived would ring bells to be like, I'm still alive, come oh. get me. But then they were just like, you did it, and yes. then they would probably kill her. Oh, they do yeah. Just let her die. You know oh, what I mean? Hit wow. her with a rock or something. Oh, my goodness. Well, in Norway... King Magnus II came up with a novel and somewhat innocent idea to fight the Black Death. Ben, I think you're actually really going to like this one. You are going to like this one. Let's hear it. Let's hear it out. He instituted theme days. I think that that's actually one of the most brilliant ideas I've ever heard. You don't even have to go into the (laughs) themes quite yet, but I think right now, if I was that man's, Uh if I was that dude's chief of staff, I would say, sir, let me suck your 
dick. Nacho cheese day. Up with that. Um, everybody's favorite decade day. Everyone's favorite decade. They hit. Remember the eighties day. Yeah, the twelve eighties. Yeah. Yes, remember so, the twelve eighties. Yeah, yeah, it was great because the serpents were president. I yeah. love that. What, what yeah, kind of had, ideas are we talking here? There was foodless Fridays. He would oh, that's, like that. That's sad. That's sad. yeah. Well, you could have bread and water, uh, but just no fish. Or oh, meat. okay, okay. Or grand, yeah, but you could have better water. Then there was shoeless Sundays. Easy going. That's actually yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, where you weren't allowed to wear shoes to church. I because... don't like the idea that of not being allowed to. I think it should be optional, but okay. Easy oh, no. like shoeless Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this was very much mandatory. Okay. This was mm. absolutely mandatory. Because God had not, God would kill you. Okay. Well, yeah, he believed that this would, he was trying to appease what he believed was a wrathful God. And he was trying to spare Norway of the fate that befell his warmer neighbors to the south. And as far as he was concerned, it did kind of work because people in Norway didn't die in as, in as high numbers and high, as high percentages as people, you know, s- south of them did. Uh, so this guy really thought that the sky cuck in the clouds, God, <laughs> um, was going to just own. He, why would God want to see our feet on Sunday? Is God just jerking off to us looking at a fish on Friday? I don't what, know. Why? I just don't. Because I'm starting to think that it, these are human institutions. This was yeah. a actual <laughs> movement throughout a lot of Europe where what they would do is mass prayer days. One of the big things that the church, because, you know, at the time it wasn't really the Catholic church. They just called it the capital T, capital C, the church. Sure. Right. They wanted to organize mass prayer days where every single person would meet and do the, something like 10 times a day where they would pray <laughs> Good to idea. be saved from the plague, pray for their monarchy, pray for the clergy, pray for everybody. The idea is that, their idea was that if we just keep pushing God, we will we'll get this going. We'll do a GoFundMe. We're going to get this petition that God signed, and then he's going to end the plague. And so there was a lot of mass movement. So he sure. thought that if you did a coordinated, like, Hey God, we're sorry. We're sorry. Like as in one voice that maybe God would cancel the play. I'm just going to say this on behalf of humanity for all of time. We've never deserved any of this shit. All humans <laughs> have ever wanted this. to do was eat and fuck. Learn this. That's all we've ever wanted to do. I, Kissel Human beings are not innately horrible. That's real wisdom. Yeah. Internalize that. You are not at fault for COVID-19. No. No. You're not at fault for the plague. No, 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 no. No, I mean, people are still doing this shit. You remember the COVID preacher, the guy that just screamed oh and yelled mm-hmm. and people made those awesome fucking metal remixes of it? Yeah. yeah. People are still, they still do it today. Well, they definitely didn't stop eating on Friday, I'll tell you that. No, no. For, <laughs> it is food full Friday. Yes, it is. <laughs> From Scandinavia, the plague crossed the Baltic Sea and re-entered Russia, where it swept through Novgorod and Moscow. Incredibly, the plague had now come full circle oh. and was just 700 miles north of the formerly besieged city of Kaffa, four years after a Mongolian siege had sent plague ships from Kaffa's port to Sicily. There was one thing I read that kind of sent a shiver up my spine. It said if you look at the line that the plague made around Europe, you could see the noose it had drawn mm. around the continent. Interesting. It's sort of like when Bruce Springsteen, he started in New Jersey, and then he went to L.A. and was like, mm. but then he realized his true love was in New Jersey, that woman that he married, and then he went back to New Jersey. And it's almost like he made a noose around America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Springsteen's <laughs> the noose tour. Song it was, a, song it was a, noose. a horribly named tour. Mm. Horribly. I, named. Yeah, I was upset, but I still went. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I would he love to see him for I need eight to see hours. Him. I'm he, seeing him. Marcus, we're going to see Springsteen. Sure. 
I don't know when, but we're doing it. Bruce Springsteen's sure. concerts actually have a mortality rate of 45%. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I saw him, he played for 14 hours. <laughs> but after four years of constant death, Europe found that the deadliest strain of Yersinia pestis to ever exist had somewhat anticlimactically burned itself out. What? People very suddenly stopped dying by the thousands and in fact weren't dying of the plague at all, or at least not the horrifying bloody pus-filled gangrenous blood vomit plague. But when people were ready to accept that the great mortality was at an end, they reacted in much the same way that people are reacting today. They drank heavily, spent lavishly, ate gluttonously, dressed extravagantly, and fornicated with abandon. They said in Italy, <laughs> they created 52 new religious holidays. Oh, great. So they were like, we're just, we're adding vacation days to the calendar. Great. We're mm -hmm. just doing it. Uh, I, I That is very interesting. Uh, also, the beliefs, the inner worship of almost like their version of comic book heroes. Have you done any research into the 14 Holy Helpers? No. The 14 Holy Helpers were the plague saints that kind of came about that like the very end of the plague, people started praying to hyper specific sp certain uh, saints like uh, St. Sebastian, the guy ah. that's like, you see the one who's tied up with all the arrows in him. He's the, the BDSM mm -hmm. saint. Sure. <laughs> and they would create these sort of like frescoes and paintings of these saints fighting like skeletons and demons <laughs> that were essentially the personification of the plague. So in, I think it, it technically is the first comic books. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Well, perhaps the most overt act of life over death, symbolically at least, after the plague, occurred in Orvieto, Italy, where couples actually fucked on the grass Woo. that had been laid over the recently closed plague pits. I mean, anytime you walk in Washington Square Park, you're walking over a massive grave. Everywhere you walk <laughs> is a massive grave. I am happy these people are having a fuck party, getting lit, eating food. Enjoy it while you can. It helped create uh, uh, the earliest forms of gonorrhea. Oh, no kidding. Isn't that nice? That's true. That's, that's wonderful. In the words of one chronicler from Siena, no one could restrain themselves from doing anything. But even though people seemed to be having a great time, this was, in fact, a reaction to being deeply traumatized. Shut up, Marcus! I'm not traumatized! <laughs> well, honestly, we're I'm not, not as traumatized as they were. I'm not having a good time for no fucking reason! You need to have fun! You do need to have fun. But a psychiatrist named James Westfall Thompson noticed that the way people behaved after the Black Plague was exactly how people in the Lost Generation behaved after World War I. In his view, the behavior in both was marked by fairly superficial waves of gaiety, debauchery, extravagance, and gluttony, all done to try and tamp down the unimaginable horrors that they'd all seen and experienced. And I would assume the same didn't happen after World War II because the horrors were no longer unimaginable. Right. And of course, let's not forget after World War II, the buffet was invented and <laughs> once you have buffets then it's very difficult to have sadness you could serve community. yourself you don't yeah, have to deal with the tyrants of chefs <laughs> telling you how much you can eat yeah they don't they look at you when you ask for seconds and they're like this isn't your mom's house and you're like well you know i wish it was but my mother's dead and <laughs> yeah my mom's a fuck my mom's a fucking corpse yes yeah, so <laughs> bring me ribs anyway that's why you gotta go to your your golden corrals <laughs> 
but perhaps building off of this so-called moral decline, people found that they also didn't need the church quite as much as they thought they did once it was all said and done. See, the decline in the church's power after the Black Death was both literal and symbolic. Since the plague killed peasant and priest alike, the church came out of the Black Death with seriously thinned ranks, and the priests who had survived were either highly corrupt, very young, or poorly trained. And in some cases, all three. They had a very secure track that you were supposed to be on to be a priest, to be a member of the clergy. You were raised, and most of the time you had to be of noble lineage to even be able to be on the track, to be educated in order to go and be whatever your position was going to be within the clergy. Sure. But once it wiped out all the noble families, then anybody could be a priest. And the problem is is that when anybody can be a priest, most of the time it means scumbags are going to be priests. It's like what Twitter did to the celebrity class. Yep. (laughs) The general public had also taken particular note of the fact that the church had given no help that couldn't have been given by any other person. (laughs) Finally, it was mostly the dregs of the priests who survived, and those left behind charged unreasonably high prices to serve a local church. So it's just... It just left a bad taste. The church left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah, it seems like they failed miserably and killed a lot of people for no reason. And then obviously, once they realize that once people realize there's they don't provide the safety net they promised. Well, fuck them. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Ziegler is the historian that was kind of talking about how this was. They think one. There's several historians that believe that if the Black Plague didn't happen, medieval world might have continued kind of closely the way it was already continuing for a long time. Mm-hmm. But that this doubt in the main church is probably what planted the seeds that would create the Renaissance oh. and the Reformation, when all yeah. Protestant religions would also become about, because this it just showed, it, it shone a light into how corrupt the whole system had become. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But really, the end of those four horrible years was just the end of the beginning of the second plague pandemic. It was just, it just happened to be the worst one out of the hundreds of plague outbreaks all over Europe in the centuries to come. It was great. That's awesome. Well, because there is <laughs> research. It is, it's fun. It's so, it's so it's fun. fun. It's fun to think. It's fun to think about. Like, just wow. put it in your head and just think about it for but a little while. It's out there. And Centuries. then in 1994, they actually discovered strains of Wipestus that actually uh, immune to antibiotics. So oh, you know, who knows when that's going to come about? I don't know when that's going to really be unleashed. I just can't believe Domino's <laughs> brought the Noid back. Oh, 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 that's what I'm upset about. <laughs> about a decade after the Great Mortality, the plague returned in a less lethal form, killing about 20% of the populations it infected instead of 50. The second plague, however, struck the young more than the old and came to be known as the children's plague. Ooh, One more time, Dark. worst century to be alive. God dang. <laughs> but you know, also, you also think about the OG plague, the grandpa plague, and then he looks at his generation, he looks at his great-grandson plague, and you're like, you're only killing 20%. This is just so typical of the new plague generation. I don't even understand how to kill <laughs> I 85%. Am, I was killing 85%, now I you're killing 20%. so sick of these pandemic Zoomers. <laughs> it is just unbelievable. Get off your butt, plague, and stop playing plague video games and go kill people, please. From there, the plague returned about once a decade throughout Europe for centuries afterward, Mm -hmm. but with a much lower mortality rate of 10 to 15 percent. But there was one notable exception. See, just as the second plague pandemic started with a bang, so too 
did it dramatically end? In 1665, 307 years after the Black Death first hit England, the capital was hit with what came to be known as the Great Plague of London. In just 18 months, 100,000 people, a quarter of London's population, died of the bubonic plague in what was to be the last large outbreak of the second plague pandemic. And it finally ended in the somewhat appropriate year of 1600. And sixty-six. <laughs> that's a really great time to end. Um, wow, that's fun. Mark of the Beaver, man. Mark of the Beaver. Yeah, Mark of the Beaver. Wow. But what was different here is that the plague was moving far slower. Instead of jumping from city to city in a matter of days, weeks, or months, this strain of the plague crept from neighborhood to neighborhood. And instead of killing huge groups all at once, it stuck to clusters of people. Like, for example, like people who all slept in the same bed or wore the same clothes <laughs> or lived on the same lane. This new oh. kind of plague, the crawling plague, if you will, was also responsible for the third plague pandemic, which began in 1855 and ended in 1960, killing up to 15 million people in China and India over a period of 105 years. It's Maybe still out it's there. a spurious correlation, but look what happened in the 60s. Everyone was smoking weed, man. <laughs> and the <laughs> weed, killed, before, uh, weed <laughs> killed the plague, dude. <laughs> before, <man. laughs> uh, you know what's also interesting is I want to really look at, th there is a lot of studies that talk about the combination of earthquakes and plague. Yeah, about how earthquakes would happen. Like an Iceland earthquake happened, in England an earthquake happened, and then what it does is it rustles up all the rats. They like if sure. something happens, it, it, it creates a disturbance in their life, and all of a sudden the rats are are ready to go. Don't mm -hmm. piss off these freaking rats, man. Or don't they're skittish. They're you scary. Can just keep, keep them happy and keep them away. Mm. But the other difference is that while all those plagues were indeed horrible, they were not the same plague that devastated Europe starting in 1348. There was no blood vomit, no oh. malodorous smell, and no gangrenous inflammation of the throat and lungs. In other words, while the plague is indeed still terrible, it isn't as bad as it used to be. And isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? It's almost like God wanted to flip to more PG programming. <laughs> and he said, you know, it was really nice when we were in the Attitude Era, but mm -hmm. let's not have any more chair shots to the head. Well, it yeah. shows that the... Viruses and bacteria, these types of things, they evolve to be less deadly so they can live longer. Oh, well, the best explanations we have for this is that the Black Death at, or after the Black Death, Yersinia pestis either returned to being a rat disease because it risked burning out its host population or it was a marmot strain that oh. really did burn itself out by 1352. It just killed as many people as it could. It reached the end of the road. By the way, that reminds me, we have our new weed line. Check out Embers here in L.A. We actually have the marmot strain. Our marmot strain. Yeah, it's really good. It makes you feel like a beaver. It's so good, it's <laughs> contagious. Ooh, it's so good, yeah. But even besides dealing with the plague for centuries afterward, Europe was besieged by other diseases that killed almost as many. In 1426, a flu epidemic killed 7% of the population. And between 1485 and 1551, a mysterious disease called the English sweat killed 10% of Europe. It actually was a series of exercise tapes, oh, and they weren't ready for the exertion. It's so hard in England for them to get any cardio oh, because of their Adam's apples. It yeah. presses against the windpipe. 
absolutely sweating to the 1680s or whatever era we're in now. And that's not even getting into outbreaks of smallpox, which oh. smallpox was known as the Red Plague. And while that's smallpox... the Sammy Hagar of plagues. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and while smallpox ravaged Europe at rates that rivaled the Black Death at times, it absolutely destroyed the indigenous people of North America once it crossed the ocean. And I think this is a... We've said it before, but this bears repeating and this bears remembering. Smallpox killed 90% of the indigenous oh, population geez. in North America. It's an Man, act of biological warfare. Also, think Henry, did you want to make a joke? I just want to say, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they got the blankets, but thank God we didn't give them pillows. Because then there goes the other 10%. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just I'm scared. Scared. <laughs> Wow. Wow. No, unbelievable, though. That is so fascinating that, yeah. um, yeah, anyone. And we didn't, I mean, we just, we Sad. actually, the, the Europeans that came over, like, they, at first, they didn't know. And then once they figured it out, they definitely took advantage of it. Yeah, let's uh, but it was this. Yeah, but like smallpox, uh, flu, none of that stuff was uh, All I know is when that show was going on, my people were in Poland burying people with their butts sticking out of the ground mm-hmm. so they have a place to park their bikes. <laughs> All right? That's what my people were doing. <laughs> Admittedly, my people were coming butts. over here. <laughs> Admittedly, my people were coming over here and probably spreading smallpox and all kinds of shit. My first ancestors like 1600s, so like Wolf Trapper. So yeah, definitely. definitely Guilty! I didn't come over. My folks didn't come here until 1960. Hey, they were chased here. No, no. No, no. Well, in addition to all that, all those diseases, you also had dysentery all across Europe that was due to, of course, poor sanitation. Because you get shit in your food sometimes, you swallow shit, you're going to get sick. And that was responsible for the 50% mortality rate of infants in the Middle Ages. Oh my God, 50%. Oh goodness. 50%. But speaking of that mortality rate, the Black Death had long-lasting consequences on how long people lived, even after it was over. See, when things were solid in the 14th century, an English boy in Essex could expect to live to the age of 54 pretty dependably once he grew past the danger zone of childhood and entered puberty. Once you get to puberty, you're all fucking good. Yeah, because then you can't get picked up by a hawk. You can't fall into the shit river and drown. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Except I guess Richard the Raker didn't. He was a full gourmet. (laughs) Absolutely. Can't fall in love with a turtle, climb on its back and have it go into the water and then you drown. You think that's the thing that happens? <laughs> I'm sure you can. I, I, I wish you, I lived in your you mind where every day is a fairy tale, Kissel. <laughs> I'm saying it's possible. If you're a kid, you're like, that's a turtle, and you cry, you climb on its back, and then it goes into the water. And then you're you describing drown. a dream you had when you were a child? I think so. No, I'm saying it, I've been looking at a lot of turtle content lately. <laughs> the turtle is amazing. It lives in its own house. I, I, you live in your house. We live in houses. <laughs> I know, but we move out of our houses. Anyway, fascinating. <laughs> but. but it is fascinating, the fake <laughs> thing you said. are fascinating, yes. Fascinating. But by the mid-15th century, that same boy who could, who could have expected to live to 54 a century earlier, he had lost 14% of his lifespan wow. and could only expect to live to 48 years of age if he was lucky. Because while society had held in many ways, it took centuries for Europe to fully recover from all of the cascading effects of the Black Death. See, Hmm. the boy is lucky because man becomes perfect at 48. And then (laughs) you're done. Yeah, then you Hmm. slowly slide into Hmm. despondency and irrelevance. 
<laughs> well, I think that would be a that would be horrible if, if you got dementia at forty nine. No, I'm just saying that's just when people stop liking your shit on Instagram. Oh <laughs> yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. But even though life was fucking awful for almost everyone who lived through the Black Death, it changed the way that Europe worked in fundamental ways that still echo into today's society. By the end of the Black Death, the wealthy owner class and the labor class had switched places when it came to who held the power. Because so many people had died, there were fewer people who could do work both skilled and unskilled. And therefore, workers of all stripes could demand higher wages for the first time. If you look at some of the way these aristocrats bitch from the 1350s about how hard it was to find laborers, and then you look at comments made on certain news sites and on our cable news about people not returning to work. Oh, sure. They are exactly the same. (laughs) And to that I say, do you have two hands, Mr. Aristocrat? Do you have two feet, Mr. Aristocrat? Then why don't you go to work? It is just (laughs) complaining about how no one wants to work anymore because Mm -hmm. they're used to not working and paying someone to do work for them. And they are just, they, they they couldn't pay them enough. And paying them very, very very little. That's the Very key. Very little. That's the, the key. key. is to make sure that you just barely pay them so that you can show them monetarily what they mean to you. They're just essentially robot workers to you. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. these aristocrats got to bring back the Noid. <laughs> it's too late. You were just bemoaning the return of the Noid. I don't You're know. Flip-flopper today. I know. I'm telling you what they're doing. They're bringing back the Noid. Well, at the same time, an overabundance of crops and livestock, because everyone was fucking dead, no one was eating them, that dropped food prices. And that, coupled with high labor cost, hurt the lords and helped the peasants. In addition to that, women gained new economic power because they were able to step into jobs that were traditionally male pre-plague. And they did it just as well as the male, as the men did. An interesting side quest for you is to look up the Chiampi Revolt, C-I-O-M-P-I, which is the worker revolt that happened Hmm. in Italy that was very interesting right after the plague. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, King Edward very quickly tried passing laws in England to freeze wages at pre-plague levels, and he also (laughs) tried to make it illegal to refuse employment from a lord. Does any of this sound fucking familiar? (laughs) It's wild. (laughs) No, I actually don't understand what you guys are talking about here. (laughs) But people did take this job and shove it because they would go like, you come back here, sir, and you'll do the hay like you do. I don't know how you make it into those Swiss rolls, the big lumps. You put it in the lumps right now, sir. And then go, fuck you, man. Yeah. And then just walk in the woods. Because they're just walking in the woods. You can't find them. Yeah. Yeah. But the workers, (laughs) merchants, and tradesmen who were, for all intents and purposes, the new middle class, they held strong. They knew for the the first time in their lives, possibly the first time in European history, as far as they fucking knew, they could demonstrably prove that the rich needed the workers more than the workers needed the rich. Hell yeah. That's a fact. Because the power structures that kept the status quo had fallen apart just enough. But also, what is interesting about humankind is that they still manage to keep certain levels of order amongst themselves. Yeah. Like, humans really understood at the time, no, we actually can take care of us. We don't need the church. We can create our own little fringe religions. We can actually release ourselves from our own sins. Because they gave us permission to. The church, yeah. when everybody was dying, basically said... Forgive yourselves, if yeah. you would, for a little while. So you, they learned, we don't need that. Yeah. And at this point, the middle class also started building their own churches for the first time, which was something that was reserved for lords. So they yeah, the chantry te- chapels. Yeah. 
And then humans never did anything wrong again. Never again, and it was fixed. <laughs> it we was really fixed. nailed it. Also, yeah. this was the first time that artists could make a true living and become like merchants and artists became the middle class. And so they could dress in the fineries of the aristocracy for the first uh-huh. time. They were like, wear silk and buttons. Oh, and you know, uh-huh. artists, they deserve that. Artists we do. Love <laughs> artists love that stuff. Uh-huh. But of course, the establishment, once they started seeing all these people in the finest silk and buttons that were supposed to be reserved for the lords, they actually passed laws that banned peasants from owning silk, silver buckles, fur-lined coats, anything that would allow the appearance of putting on airs. You gonna wow. take my fucking drip? They yeah. would. Absolutely I mean, they yeah, would. Yeah, just wait for that. When they fucking when they ban you from fucking wearing Jordans. That's when I go to the Capitol. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, all this shit partly led to the peasants' revolt of 1381. But in the end, the peasants gained enough ground where overt feudalism became a thing of the past, and upward mobility was that much closer to being a reality for everyone, which, where before, was not a fucking option. Furthermore, workers demanding higher wages partly resulted in some of the most incredible advances in technology ever seen in human history. And this is very interesting because it has some modern parallels with the arguments that people have against raising minimum wage. See, in the low-wage days prior to the plague, one could still make books at a reasonable price using several copyists who wrote each page by hand. But after the plague, those same copyists demanded higher wages, and they were therefore too expensive to make bookmaking sustainable, at least on a large scale. It became a much more tiny boutique thing. But at the, just the same time, Johann Gutenberg, oh, was per- Gutenberg. <laughs> he was perfecting the printing press in about 1350, and in the decades after the plague, printed knowledge, available for the first time in human history, changed the world forever and ended up creating hundreds of new professions. Just cut to him, Gutenberg, being like, this is going to lead to the intelligence. It's going to rise in our society. People are going to learn more. And then just cut to us, 9-11, two years ago in Europe, looking at a newspaper that was talking about how a man found the biggest crisp. That's where it led <laughs> to. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's just going to find, yeah, it just cuts to a fucking issue of Hustler. The highest. Yeah. Oh, that, you can get some money, bro. Stuff from Hustler. Don't you do really it. Don't mean the great people of Hustler. Cherry, not, however, it's not, there's not, there's not one goddamn recipe in that magazine. <laughs> I'm not demeaning Hustler. There's some great jokes in a Hustler. Uh, but I would say Johann Gutenberg might be a little shocked by all the piss play. And very confused about the cartoon. Oh, I think no, that I Johann think back then they didn't have any other choice. All they did was just sex. <laughs> he's the great, 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 great grandfather of Steve Gutenberg. Of course. You just think that he wasn't covered in piss. <laughs> they, yeah. they were all covered. But it's insane. You know, like this, this like them them demanding higher wages, saying we deserve more. Like it created innovation. And that innovation created more, not just jobs, it created professions, it created lives, like writers, like, you know, like anyone could be a writer, it created journalists, it created publishers, it created all, every fucking, so many things, it's insane. You can just see the publicist, the publicist, the writer, and the journalist all taking the guns out of their mouth right now as they listen to this. They just (laughs) say, you know what, gosh darn it, it is pretty good to be me, Daniel, it is pretty good to me be. 
To be me. To be me. <laughs> to be me. It is good me to be a publisher, well, man. Me uh, like big old book, yep, not just for toilet book. paper anymore. No, book <laughs> for a learning page. Yeah, All you fucking screen episodes. printers out there that are fucking that are that make your living screen printing. This is you. That's you. This is yeah. what you did. This is it's you. It's yeah. you. All right. I think my uh, brain is officially plagued out. <laughs> oh. Well, my brain I, was not. No, I'm not saying, me, I, man. I'm messing. The plague to the earworm in my own brain. I feel like the teacher of the great courses, the, the, the teacher that does the Black Death uh, presentation for the great courses, is her, she comes from Purdue University, uh, Dorsey Armstrong. She's an English professor. And people are now, there was an op, there was an article in the WAPO where people ask her like, or going to her for advice now, because this thing came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do we do? You know all about plagues. She's like, Please stop coming to me for answers. Well, that's great. Well, I'm happy you said her full name here on the show, so she'll be left alone forever. Go get her. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Well, finally, there was the way that the Black Death changed medicine. Because the medical community came out of the plague with a reputation that was just as damaged as the churches. Mm. But instead of doubling down on the bullshit like the church did and continues to do, the medical profession changed. Instead of relying on pure deductive reasoning, which led to things like humorology and medical bleeding, physicians began to posit theories, test them against observable fact, and analyze the results to see if they supported those theories. And this, of course, is now known as the scientific method. Great. In addition to that, the concept of the hospital also evolved out of the Great Mortality. Before the plague, a hospital was simply a place to stuff sick people until they recovered, or much more likely, died. But after the plague, hospitals became a place where physicians could actually try to cure the patient, and even began separating people based on what was wrong with them, effectively creating the modern ward system. Interesting. Mm. So, while the Black Death certainly made the 14th century the worst time in recorded history to be alive, it could also be seen as the growing pains that essentially created modern society, even if humans are still more or less the same basic animal that we've been for millennia. Wow. Wow. All right. There it is. We made the it. Black Death. All five parts. Absolutely fantastic. Hey, and look at great, all the three of us. Work. Of the three of us. Zero percent mortality rate for this podcast series. Zero percent. Zero percent. Well, that was because abs- Travis is still alive. Everyone's yeah. still alive, and they must be. We've made that a rule. That's in. That's in the contract. Yeah, everyone is alive. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening to this series. That was absolutely fascinating. Great work. Learned so much. Laughed a little along the way as well. I um, love that. Was this really fantastic. Shit. We have so much more stuff coming up this summer. We're really excited. Next week, we're going to be doing a a creepy episode. Something Ooh. weird. Something super weird. Something weird. We're going to go Old West. Excited to Ooh, go there. The Weird West. Yep, we're going to. We're also going to be, uh, you, you're going to be afraid of the water again. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of afraid of water already. You, you should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the most exciting thing of all is just like the plague, we're going back on tour. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Another perfectly named tour. And Marcus, do you want to tell our audience a few of the places? And we do have some that we will be adding as well. So this is not the complete, complete, complete list, but it is the complete, complete list. If you're just missing a few. If your city isn't on this list, hold out hope. You might be on the next release. <laughs> yeah, because you never know when these three beavers are going to run through town causing you to be sick 
with laughter. <laughs> the only thing is there is transportation at this point. So when someone's like, you're yeah. in Des Moines, I live in Des Moines, and it's like 15 <laughs> miles away. It's like, just drive. Yeah, we're, we're driving gonna, to you. We're starting on August 12th, and we're going up until May 20th on these dates. So this is a big raft. Go to uh, go follow us uh, at Instagram on at LP on the left to find out exactly when we're going to be coming to your city. But here we go. St. Paul, Milwaukee, Des Moines, Omaha, Detroit, Columbus, Cincinnati, Oklahoma City, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, Oakland, Los Angeles, Charlotte, Charleston, Places Durham, Marcus Charlottesville. Places Marcus has publicly masturbated. asshole. Norfolk, Baltimore, coming back to Baltimore Woo. finally. Portland, Eugene, Boise, Vancouver, Seattle, Spokane, Birmingham, Alabama. New Orleans, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Richmond, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Chicago, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Woo. Memphis, Boston, Mashantucket, Kentucky, nope, nope, not Kentucky, Mashantucket, Connecticut, Connecticut, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Northfield, Ohio, Toronto, and finally, we're coming home to New York City. New York City. Uh, quick question, though, and this is to clarify for myself and everyone who's been asking. It's Vancouver, Washington, correct? No, or it's Vancouver, going, but we're going we to Canada. We're going to British Columbia. Yeah, we're, we're going, going to British, British Columbia. Columbia. Okay, so just so everybody knows, that's Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay, yeah. because we probably should have put that on there at some point. And yeah, we whatever. expect to have only a 40% mortality rate uh, throughout <laughs> our great. tour. That's what we're shooting for. We're hoping that's what we're shooting for. Um, we're we're going to have two large bonfires that you can walk through. Yeah. Um, no beavers, unless they're attached <laughs> to you, ladies, um, wherever you are. Um, well, you know, we can, you, can bring, you can hustle those in if you can, you know what I mean? Well, all all beavers are allowed, no matter who they be attached to, at the last podcast of the Left Live show. Yes. We can't wait to see everybody on the road. And then next week, we also have a little announcement about a, a, a we're working on a project with Spring Hill Jack Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get into it. It's going to make you shit. It's it also going to make you dance. I love that <laughs> coffee. It's a great diuretic, but then after you shit, you feel so light and fluffy, and then you're also yeah. awake. Isn't that yeah. nice? Yeah, it is I nice. I love it. And again, as I mentioned, Embers, we are in Van Nuys. Embers, E-M-B-E-R-Z. That's a dispensary we're at right now if you want to get our vapes. And uh, Henry and I, uh, July 24th, will be in Santa Ana, um, and we will be hanging out at the dispensary there. And then next Thursday on Shelf Friday, we're going to be in Sarah Dispensary here in L.A. That's S-E-R-R-A. That is on West 3rd Street in L.A. So we're getting into L.A. and we're yes. so excited. And that'll be next. You said next Friday that'll be? Next Friday. All right. Well, I'm going to go check that out there as well. So I'll be I'll, maybe I'll go hang around for five hours in the dispensary. They'll be so happy to see me there forever. And I'll be like, did you know they brought the Noid back? <laughs> anyway, it's like we've heard. Do any gas pumps work in this country? OK, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, hope you're doing well out there. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Magustinations. And just know, remember that you're going to die. Because that's how you know well, to live every, a good life. To remember, remember that an end comes. So you're going to want to get it out while you Unless can. it's devastating to you and you can't do anything because you're paralyzed with fear, then just forget about it. and just It'll happen when it happens. Yeah. It that's kind of how I see it. It'll happen when it happens. It will. For mm. certain. Yeah, Except will. to me. I'm invincible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Let's- 
Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Rubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.